where we are uh, in week two now of this focus of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. Last week we talked about strategies, the strategies of our enemy. And uh, if you missed that, you can go online, you can listen, I encourage you to do so. Today uh, we're talking about the struggle. The struggle that is very, very so the big idea for this series really is, is that we would come to this place of no longer feeling like we're fighting a losing battle, but that we would stand strong. And so that's, that's really the focus of what uh, we're talking about uh, this, this month. So this is an exciting series that we're in right now. Um, this week, I'll just, uh, I'll just tell you, this week, just preparing for this week, uh, looking at this passage that we're going to look at in this verse, um, the word that came to my mind uh, comes from this movie, Back to the Future. Anybody like Back to the Future? Anybody like the 80s like me, right? So Michael J. Fox one time says uh, uh, to Christopher Lloyd, when Christopher Lloyd's giving all these explanations about, you know, future, you know, space-time continuum, and so, uh, and I remember him saying, uh, Michael J. Fox says, Heavy, you know, and, and that's what we're going to talk about, some heavy stuff right now, okay, so, um, this got me going, right, okay, um, you're off, off now, so I am off, you're off okay. I'm off line, okay, so check, check one, can you hear me now, can you hear me now, I'm on guys, so, if I need another mic, uh, yeah, possibly. Oh, Yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 I went to my just when I thought everything I had in that too. Warriors fans? Yeah. All right, one. Yeah, all right, Warriors. Okay. 
but Steph Curry, uh, if you haven't been like in an Under Armour store recently or, or seen this, uh, he has a tagline, uh, and it is the, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And he writes it on his shoes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was just thinking about that word strong. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Visions, also the book of Philippians, this is in the latter part of your New Testament, uh, he really loves this word strong and power. He uses them a lot. And the reason why Paul uses these words a lot is because he knew who he was fighting against. He wasn't fighting against uh, the Romans. He wasn't fighting against uh, these, these guys that were kind of the Pharisees, uh, the people that were all about the law. He wasn't fighting against them. He knew he was fighting against a very powerful enemy. He, was in a, he knew we were in a struggle, and it's not just, it's not actually a struggle against people around us. And he knew that. And so it was a big part of who he was in his vocabulary. He knew who he was fighting against. The question is, do you? Do you know who you're fighting against? Okay. It's a big question. Do you know? We talked about last week that you have a very real enemy. The devil, Satan, who wants to destroy the plans that God has for your life. He wants to do that. He's always trying to disrupt our lives. Let's take a look at what this this looks like in verse 12. We're just looking at one verse out of this uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 for, for today. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Wow. That's a lot. That's heavy. This word, fighting, you'll find in other translations, is actually wrestling or struggling. And it comes from this, this Greek word that this is the only time this particular word is in all of the Bible. The one time it's used. Okay? And it's pale. Okay? P-A-L-E, okay, in the Greek, means to wrestle. But for the people that were reading this word, okay, in the first century, when they got this letter from Paul and they saw this word, they had violent images in their mind. Because this word was used to describe three different events that happened in the palestra. The palestra was where boxing, uh, and then uh, wrestling, and then this last sport, which would be, we would probably call MMA. But all of them were incredibly, like, a hundred times more violent than what we see. Boxing, the boxing had guys that had not just gloves, but gloves that had spikes on them. So they could tear the flesh of the other guy. And they had to wear helmets, but they had spikes all over their gloves. Okay? There were no rules in these things. There were, there, there, I mean, it was just about anything goes in these fights. And so they had this image, all these images just pouring into their mind when they read this word, this fighting. I was thinking about this word, uh, wrestle. And I had to think about uh, my younger brother, 
Uh, I have an older brother, and I have two younger half-brothers. And one of my younger brothers, uh, uh, his name is Hans. You see a picture of him. This is, this is my most recent picture. He's on the right. I'm on the left there. Uh, and uh, obviously, that's my little brother. He's much bigger than me now. Um, but Hans is his name. My stepdad was German. And so uh, but Hans is three and a half years younger than me. Growing up, on Saturday afternoons, there was one thing that was on in the afternoons that we loved to watch. It was wrestling. And we would watch wrestling, and then when wrestling was over, we would actually go into our rooms and I'd say, hey, let's try this stuff out. You be that guy, I'll be this guy. And for the first five minutes or so, we were just having fun. It was, you know, we were like, hey, yeah, you do this, you do this. And then somewhere along the way, I would say, hey, Hans, let me try this move on you, like the body slam. Let me just try this. You know, let me do the full Nelson on you. And then he would get upset with me, like, you know, because I actually hurt him. And then we'd be fighting, and my mom, my mom would come in and say, you guys can't watch wrestling anymore. And then for a couple weeks, we wouldn't. And then just watch it. And then just go over and over and over again. But, you know, as, as we grew up, we obviously realized uh, um, that wrestling we watch on TV. It isn't real. Spoil alert for some of you, maybe. I don't know. It's not real. Okay? But the struggle we talk about today is real. The wrestling that we talk about today is real. It's real. And just to give you a couple of points for your, for your handout notes there, this battle we're in, we are in close combat. Close combat with dark cosmic forces. This, uh, in this scripture that we just read, not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. You're in a battle with forces you cannot see. It's hard for us to grasp this and, and really in our mind, but it is very, very real. I remember doing hospital visits, visits when I was uh, working as a chaplain at... Uh, volunteering as a chaplain at the Nebraska Medical Center, and I'd go from just room to room visiting people uh, on the fifth floor, and people that were just below intensive care with all different kinds of issues, and a lot of uh, really interesting conversations and prayers with people, and I remember one time, I'll never forget walking into a room and, and talking with a gentleman, um, and he, uh, he was a little, just, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on with him. And, but finally, he just agreed to, to, I asked, can I just pray for you? And I remember going and, and, and laying my hand on him and, and beginning a prayer. And just as I began to pray in Jesus' name, I, I prayed that a few times just over what he was going through. And uh, I just remember he, he began to just pull away from me. And, and he said, get away from me. Get away from me. And I remember walking out of the room realizing I didn't just go in there praying for someone sick. I wasn't just, that wasn't the only thing in that room. There was some kind of very real struggle that was happening with this man. I vowed that every time I would walk into a room, I would not underestimate what was actually happening. <coughs> For us, 
not only do we have to realize we are in close combat with dark forces, we also have to realize that our unseen enemy will exploit the external and attempt to access the internal to destroy us. The battle is spiritual, but our enemy will exploit the world around us. Our jobs, our relationships, our circumstances, he will try to access our thoughts, our emotions, in order to discourage you, to deceive you, and to destroy you. Remember, you are not fighting your boss. I feel that way. You are, you are not fighting your neighbor. You are not fighting your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is really nice. She goes here too. She is really nice. Um, you have one enemy, okay? Satan. Satan has evil spirits, demons, always trying to destroy God's plan for your life. And we talked about last week, his ultimate goal is that he would separate you from God. That's what he's out to do. He wants to do that. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, today we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 5 here in just a minute. Uh, and I felt very strong from the very beginning of my preparation that this is the passage that we would need to look at. It is this, uh, this account uh, when Jesus delivered a demon-possessed man. Now, I want to do an intro here. First of all, demon possession is very real. Uh, there are still occurrences of it. But for most people, our interactions with evil spirits, demons, is with what we talked about last week is very subtle ways in which he accesses our life, in which the enemy attacks us. These attacks are ongoing, and after a while, these, the attacks from the devil and his demons become what both Paul and you and I know as struggles. The things that we struggle with. They can overwhelm and overpower us, but I want us to look at how Jesus is always able to overpower <clears throat> Our biggest enemies, our biggest struggles. Let's do that. Starting with verse 1 in chapter 5. It says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake. This is Jesus and the disciples. In the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. You know, when I read this opening scene introducing us to this man who lived among the tombs, Think about a man who was probably considered by everybody in that town as a lost cause. He was dismissed. He was like, this is just that crazy guy. And if we just, if we just push him out and keep him out of our city, out and marginalized and out where nobody can really see him, and he won't embarrass our town, embarrass us, if we can just push him out into the dark edges of town. 
he would be hidden. And we wouldn't have to be reminded but just a few how here and there. You see, our enemy wants us to marginalize our struggles so he can keep us in the dark. He wants us to marginalize our struggles. That we would just say about the things that we struggle with, it's just this problem. It's just this thing that I see that lots of other people struggle with. It's just a little bit of pornography. It's just, it's just a little bit of anxiety. just kind of debilitates you. What is it in your life that the enemy is telling you to hide, to marginalize, to keep a secret? By keeping you and your struggle in the dark, it keeps Jesus from shining light on to that struggle. That's just uh, this last week and every every uh, Every day from Tuesday to Friday when we're here working our staff, we start out with our prayer for, for the first hour. Um, we have great staff. Let me tell you, we have great staff. And, um, Pastor Corey and, and, and Danny, and we have support staff uh, like Andrew and Nancy, and they do great work. I appreciate them all. And I was just so proud of one of our staff members who, who really just opened up this last week and said, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't want to talk about this, but I felt like I just need you to know this is what's going on in here. And I said, you know, it's so good that you said that. Because now Jesus can do something about it. He can shine light on it. We can support you. We can encourage you. It's no longer off in the corner, in that dark corner of your life that nobody knows about. When we do that, when we marginalize our struggles and we don't share and we don't have support and we don't go to God with it, it's like that little dark corner begins to grow. I want to keep reading with this story and see what else happens here. In verses 6 through 8, it says, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, in the name of God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Did you catch that? The demon bowed low, shrieked, and asked, why are you interfering with me? We're no, no longer just talking about a man, we're talking about a man with an evil spirit. A, a very strong evil spirit that has actual control over this man. Here's the deal. When Jesus steps in, our enemies have to step back. When Jesus steps in, our enemies have to step back. When we begin to pray, when we begin uh, to go to a life group and have encouragement and other people praying for us, in the name of Jesus, our enemies... Your struggles have to step back. Have you ever watched a, a boxing uh, match or uh, uh, if you watch 
Wrestling still, it's okay. It's okay. Especially so if, if you're if you're ever watching like the WWE, right? And when when the, when the villain is out in uh, 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 the ring and and talking and you know just really bad mouthing or whatever the crowd or whatever and everybody's booing them and all of a sudden the music turns on and there's the Rock or John Cena or one, I don't watch wrestling anymore. <laughs> and, and, and they're out there and they're, the lights come on and everything else and this person comes out and it's the rock and stuff. And then if you watch, you know, the hero, the good guy comes out and sometimes they run down the stage towards the arena, towards the, uh, the, the arena where they wrestle. And the villain has to you know, drop the mic and, and run out of the ring and they're all scared or whatever, they have to step back. That's the same thing that happens when Jesus enters the picture of your life for the struggles that you're going through. When you start to plug into the life group, spending time in, word, in the word and prayer, when you make his church a bigger priority, Jesus begins to interfere with Satan's plans plans of destruction, because Jesus begins to implement a plan of deliverance, a plan of restoration, a plan of healing. The moment he's on the scene in your life, the moment that you begin to invite him into your home, into your marriage, into your workplace, It's better as we read in Mark chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. This is what it says. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. A legion was a military unit, a Roman military unit that was comprised of about five to 6,000 soldiers. Five to 6,000 soldiers. When the Roman army was conquering uh, and, and really was this force on the earth for over 300 years, more like about 400 years, they often outnumbered their enemies. Just outmanned, out, I mean, they just outnumbered, um, outnumbered them. For us, for the struggles that you are going through, you may think in your mind, I have been outnumbered by this. I, I, I am outmanned. I, I don't know what I can do. But listen, no matter how many struggles you have, Jesus is never outnumbered. Never outnumbered. The struggle you are in may be a single word, but it may also account for hundreds of hours of pain and frustration. It may account for thousands of dollars of health, of medication. It may represent thousands of unhealthy thoughts. It could be that you have countless regrets and a multitude of anxieties. But hear me today. Jesus is never outnumbered. <coughs> Ever. We have to know that. Let it be encouragement to you and whatever you're going through. They are no match for Jesus. 
continue in verses 11 through 13. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I want to focus just on verse 13. Leave that up just for a second. It said, so Jesus gave them permission. That is so significant. Jesus gave them permission. At some point in this man's life, he opened the door to these evil spirits. He gave access to his life. We don't know what that looks like. But I tell you that because it's not like this man just woke up and he had all these evil spirits inside him. He had opened the door to the enemy. What we need to understand for our lives, you have the ability to invite, and Jesus has the authority to evict. What are you permitting to enter your mind, your heart, and your home? There are so many different the enemy's always looking for access points. Through media, through relationships, okay, through our emotions. I mean, the list just go on and on. All the different entry points into our life. But you are the one with the power to invite the enemy into your home, into your life, into your heart, into your mind, into your family, into your marriage. You have that ability. Jesus always has the authority to evict. I know. How many of you have kids in the home that have a hard time with this, this thing where they just where they open the door and then they don't know what to do after that? <laughs> like they walk through it and they forget there's one more step. One more step, you know? Shut the door! so wise for you to examine what you are letting in. So what kind of authority are we talking about for Jesus? How much authority does he have? The really cool thing is, and I talked about this last week, if you want to know more about a scripture, about a story, you zoom out. You go back into chapter 4, okay, when we read this, when we, we began this story, it says they arrived at, at the other side of the lake. What happened on the lake? What happened was a storm rose up, and, this, and Jesus was asleep, okay? Just having a nice time with his blankie in the back of the boat, and the disciples were panicking. They ran to Jesus and said, hey, wake up! Wake up! we got a problem here. What are you doing? And Mark Chapter 4, verses 39 through 41, it says, When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. What kind of authority are we talking about? Total, absolute even the wind and the waves obey. 
some translations, Jesus rebuked the storm. You must do the same. For those things that have begun to enter into your home, into your marriage, into your heart, into your mind, that you, in the power and in the name of Jesus Christ, you rebuke them. See, so you have no place here. As we continue and get closer to the, to the climax of this story, it says in verses 14 and 15, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw a man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed, and perfectly sane. This is a picture of transformation. This is a picture of life change. This is a picture of what? The, the after. I'm sure uh, some of you, whether watching on TV or you, you've seen uh, one of these extreme makeovers for somebody. Or maybe you've uh, seen somebody after a long period of time and they've had a big makeover, they've changed their hair, or they, uh, they've lost a bunch of weight, and you're like, wow, I know who that is, but it's that is that really you? That's what's happening here. Like, is that really that guy? That guy that was running around in the tombs, that was screaming and cutting himself, that can't be him. But it's, it's really him. A life changed by the power of Jesus is unmistakable. That was the case here. Is people had to do, they're like doing double takes. Like, why is it? found him perfectly sane. God wants to move us from demonic despair to perfect peace. That's what I love about this scene is that this man is at peace. And the disciples are witnesses to this after they witness Jesus on the boat say, peace be still. They're seeing a man who has had a storm raging in his heart and in his life for as long as they could remember. And they're saying, wait, the wind and the waves, and now this. And now this. That's what he wants to do in your life. Well, the storms that are raging, that you're thinking they're so out of control, they're wreaking havoc. But he wants to move us to this place of perfect peace. He wants to break the chains of your struggle in such a way that people will see what God has done and say, Wow, what happened to you? What happened? Let's find out what happened at the end of the story. It's so cool. It says, And they were all afraid. They were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, but Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone 
was amazed at what he had told them. I want to ask you three questions. I felt like at the, begin, at the end of this story, I think it's important for us to reflect. Do you reflect in your own life, in your own heart, on these three questions and response, especially to these last five verses, six verses? First of all, what scares you the most? What scares you the most? Here the crowd has done a double take. They're like, this can't be that same guy. Wow, this guy, Jesus, is so powerful. Look what has happened. And their response was, Jesus, go away. How could they do that? How could they see such amazing power and be like, why would they send him away? What scares you the most? They were scared of the power of Jesus. They were more concerned with their property than they were about their hearts and their lives. Are you scared that Jesus will disrupt, disrupt your life? Are you scared that he will change it? Are you scared that Jesus is all-powerful? Which is a good thing. That is a fear and awe of the Lord. Or are you scared of this thought that you are powerless? What are you most scared of? What are you afraid of? I believe some of you here today, you know the truth of who Jesus is, and you only allow him just at the front step of your house. And you have yet to open the door and say, you, you can change all this because you're scared. Trust me. It is life-changing, and it's everything that God wants from you. The plans that he has in store are not to be feared. second question I have for you is this. Will you stay or will you go? Will you stay or will you go? I was thinking about uh, my daughter on Friday morning. Uh, uh, maybe it was Thursday, I don't remember. But my wife had to take my son early to school and my daughter came in as I was getting ready and she was just, just distraught. My six-year-old. I said, what is wrong? She said, I was going to go pick up donuts for the office and I was going to take you with me. Do you want to go with Daddy now? She said, okay. <laughs> In this story, the people wanted to be left alone. But here's the deal. They weren't alone. They had company. They had 2,000 floating dead pigs. That's what they chose. They had evil spirits that were obviously in operation in their city, and they chose that. But the man wanted more of Jesus. What do you want more of? Do you want more of the same, or do you want more of Jesus?
uh, I've got one last question here for you. Our, our musicians are going to come. And this last thing that I want to talk to you about is this man, his name, when he was asked, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion. My name is Legion. He was identified by his struggles. He was identified by these demons, the things that had tormented him for so long. We never hear his real name. What is your name? That's the last question. What is your name? What is the name of your enemy, the name of your struggles, the thing that keeps you up at night for all the wrong reasons, the thing that makes you weep, the thing that makes you cry out? As I was praying, uh, I came here early. I couldn't sleep on Friday early in the morning, and I was praying, praying over this and praying over this scripture. And I asked, I said, God, what are the struggles that people are going through? I want to know so I can begin to, to, to speak to those things. What are these things? I want to be able to pray for them. I want to pray for the people that are going to hear about this man and the life change and what you can do in their lives. And I, I began to just have these, these words, these struggles drop into my heart. And then uh, I started praying and it just in that moment, I just, in the still small voice, and that's how he speaks to us, to Jamie, write this down. And so I started writing. The three or four words actually ended up to a very long list. And I know, that I know that I know that there's a long list in this room of struggles. What you're wrestling with. So just for a few moments so you know that God knows. I believe that these are just some of the names that God wants to change today. As the guys play and sing here just for a moment, I want you to just look. Just so you know what God wants to do, what he wants to change.
story. In verse 15 it says, the demon-possessed man. That's what it says in verse 15. In verse 20 it says this, so the man.
right now, raise up your hand and say, I need peace. Yes, it's all over. Jesus, bring peace. Do a work, do a change. Let them know that you, they are not alone. Let them know that you have all the authority to evict the enemy from their life. We come against you. 